0: World.
1: what up bros what up bros and welcome to bruh meets world What is it's meets world <laughs> your boy meets world fun god guy.
2: hey guys just jumping on real fast to let you know that this is going to be the second part of our review of everybody loves stewart if you guys did not get a chance to hear our first part Go back to last week's episode, listen to the whole thing, and then jump back into this one, and you'll pick up right where we left off. Uh, Once again, we're still with Yasmin who has given us her takes, um, helping me and Siege break down this very important episode. So yeah, if you haven't gotten a chance to listen to part one, please go ahead and do that, and then jump back here. point that this episode blatantly says that no one's above an ass-whooping, like... Like it, 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 they're doing their part to be like, no, he's gonna face consequences for a day. But we need to put everything in its proper context. And even though violence is never the answer, the what it was in response to can also be equally horrific. And I think that that's what the show does a really good job of of showing is that violence is one way that we can, um, you know, hurt another person. But it's not the only way that we can hurt another
3: person because when topanga i think like a few like a few minutes later like at that tail end of that scene she approaches stewart telling him that yeah. he didn't cross the line and he she says to him you know cory protected me in the only way that he knows how
2: mm-hmm.
3: you know so is this
2: yeah it, it, and it's it's interesting i wonder if you know we never see it but i wonder if it would have been nice to see uh, an interaction where Corey's like, do you want me to talk to him? Like, do you want me to get involved? Do you want your partner to be your defender in this? Or am, am I, just, is this just like a man thing where I feel like I have to protect? It would have been interesting to understand that motivation a bit better, um, to understand where Corey was coming from in his thing. Cause maybe Topanga didn't give him any details and he's just like, okay. She's uncomfortable, I just want to know what's, I, I would just been interesting to have like a few more minutes of dialogue at the end of that dorm scene, maybe just to figure out where Corey was, his motivations were. Um, one thing I just want to quickly say is we kind of skipped over this fun little moment.
3: I didn't skip, I will
1: save it for later. I have we notes okay. too. But like, also, like,
3: I want to say, if you guys remember, this is how we first met, do you remember? So when I, for the listeners who may not know, We first met because I was writing an article about 90s pop culture and how to consume it when some of it may be problematic. And you both cited this exact scene, which I used to open the story-
0: Wow! About the
3: soap opera names, because it is important part of this episode and a theme in the series so
1: wow what yeah. a full circle moment well, of that, that is so perfect wow. yeah because <laughs> we what's crazy is we didn't think of that when we invited you on so the fact that yeah like, you're right 100 percent full circle wow. and <laughs> i i didn't forget about this moment because i we have to take we'll take a little breath from the main storyline to talk about mm. What they call their soap opera name. (laughs) Um, um, Which is you take your middle name and the street you grew up on. And what's most interesting about Angela's answer Mm. that they make Angela, I'm going to say make Angela give, is that her her, um, soap opera name turns, everyone else gets like really fun. Like there's a whole bit with Eric, which I'm not going to lie, I loved. This is him at his, this is Will Dale at his greatest. He just sells every line. He's so funny. You believe that he believes what's going on.
2: But he also has no idea what his middle name is. He <laughs> yeah. says
1: Jonathan at
2: one point, but later on he, he talks to himself as Kyle. He says his middle name is at one point. Like, I just don't think he knows his middle name, but whatever. And
3: didn't Jack say his name is Randall? Or is that- yeah, exactly. Also, exactly. also I want to say, I did a little research on like, this episode of course and apparently I don't know if this is true apparently they took that to give a little wink to Betsy Randall
1: oh, oh I, love that that. Thrilled,
3: <laughs> I, I read that and I was like oh that's nice that's cute I love that you know what? I hope
1: it is because that, <laughs> that's really good. nice um uh, so we have some fun with like the the name game the sub name game that we're doing well we also Until... learned
2: the middle names of um all the characters which i think we knew except for rachel and angela we knew eric the middle name and we knew sean patrick hunter um but yeah, yeah. that was just a little bit more de- de- detail on rachel that we just didn't know either we didn't know her middle name because we didn't know anything about rachel and so. it's actually
1: fun that we're getting to know rachel in this way and they're doing things that like you would do when you're trying to like build a friend group. Yeah. Yeah. But then they go and they have Angela's answer is Shanae, Nae Martin Luther King Boulevard. And that to me, that like, I'm going to say like in an episode filled with things, this is like a top tier bra moment yeah. because it's just like, <laughs> because it's literally unnecessary. It's, like, wh- like, a you could have done one or the other. This could, like, the idea that you had the only, like, I'm not gonna lie. If Eric's said that his soap opera name was Shanae Nay Martin Luther King Boulevard, that would probably be funny. But the fact that they give it to the only black character. And it's something that it's played for jokes as if, oh, we know black people have weird names, and we know black every black person grew up on a Martin Luther King boulevard. it's It's inappropriate.
2: Yeah. what's really um telling about this too, uh, just so you know, like where I was at this moment. Um, so I think we're like two years removed from uh, Chris Rock's Bring the Pain special. And in that special, he specifically says, like, Martin Luther King stood for non-violence. Now what's Martin Luther King? A street. And I don't care where you live in the country, if you're on Martin Luther King Boulevard, there's some violence going down. So there was just like this public opinion of what it meant to live on a Martin Luther King Boulevard. So I just thought it was really interesting that of all the street names they gave her, Martin Luther King Boulevard was, was the one. Um, also, we know her to be an army brat. So that doesn't even yeah, make sense Exactly. To her
1: exactly. That's what I was saying. It It really... And for those of you who don't know and may not have known this, Martin Luther King Boulevard is, it is typically one of the lowest funded, it's a street in one of the lower income areas. It is literally like almost like the city does it as a throwaway themselves to be like, look, we've given you some kind of respect. How could this be? We, we, we love Martin Luther King and we named this street after him how bad could this street be? Yeah. Um, and so the idea that they would do just kind of like the shenene, uh, as if there's something wrong with that name. You know, it's just, it's not that there's anything wrong with the name Chenene. It's the fact that they consider it a joke. And by they, I mean like these white writers, this white writer room feels like that is the joke and that is something worth pointing out. There is a a reference
2: to um, that I want to make to an episode we recorded, I think last year, where where writer strong was saying that they had to hire a black writer to write for Angela. So maybe all of this, like I'm in my, you know, studying white history class, you know, Martin Luther King Boulevard, maybe that's coming from a black perspective in the writer's room. I don't know. Um, But I just thought it was kind of interesting that feeling of, and maybe, C, do you know what I'm talking about? When you show your Blackness in a white space and it gets uncomfortable, is how I felt Angela felt in that moment. And I really strongly related to that, where she's like, my middle name would be Sinead Martin Luther King Boulevard, and all her friends look at her awkwardly, and she's like, I guess I gotta get some Black friends, and there's just kind of crickets, and they just move on. And I'm just like, ooh, I've been in that uncomfortable position before.
1: So what's funny to me is the Sinead Martin Luther King Boulevard portion of it Is something to where I was like, even if there was that was written by a black writer, that was written for a white writer's room, yeah. And that's the thing, it's like, this is how I make you laugh, this is what you find funny about my culture,
2: like you know what I mean. Well, there, and one thing I do want to point out, and I don't know if this was intentional, but this is like a way to kind of see the good and things, I guess, is that Sean's. Uh, uh, soap opera name is Patrick Trailer Park. So Patrick Trailer Park and Sinead Neymar Martin Luther King Boulevard feel like, hey, we're gonna. It's almost like, hey, we're the others of the group, and it's almost like you can see the connection that they might have as being others, based on just that little bit of information that they're giving in the game. And maybe that's me looking too deep into I'm a, it. I'm but. gonna say I'm, a I'm volley gonna volley it
1: right. I'm gonna volley it right back and say. Actually, to me, that's a it's it's almost like a primer, almost like a grooming. It's like we said this for Sean, so how bad could this joke be? Mm. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, we 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 made fun of where Sean's from. Why can't we make fun of where Angela's from? And it's like, sure, it's like because you're living in this like. And as someone who's kind of uh, talked about this before, and even said that when listening to the Pod Meets World podcast, they talk about this. It's because you want to live in a I don't see color world mm-hmm. at the exact same time you make jokes like this. Mm-hmm. And you can't do both. You can't, yeah, you can't try to be like, oh, it's all the same, but at the exact same time hit on something that is in fact very sensitive. <laughs> you either need to acknowledge that you're entering sensitive territory, or you need to actually not make that joke. Um, and not equate the two, if that makes sense.
2: Well, and and forgive me if we're going on too long with this, but <laughs> one of the things that really stood out to me in that moment too is that I was reminded of how segregated television was in 1998. Um, to get like a Black perspective in any white show felt foreign because there was WB and UPN and Fox who had the Black shows and then CBS, ABC and NBC had the white shows and those were always the ones that were in the like that were on the covers of magazines, that were getting on the press, even though shows like Living Single and Martin and Different uh, different World outperformed a lot of these shows in ratings, there was just a, a divide and a separation on my actual television. It felt like I was watching a white show or I was watching a black show. And it was very apparent from the time the show started. So I think part of what's so like weird about it is you're right, like they're not bringing in any of her blackness unless it's to make a joke of it. And so- it, it it kind of rubs you the wrong way.
3: It's interesting because I, I I think it was in, in a recent uh, Pod Meets World episode where Trina McGee said that the writers had asked her to tone down her blackness. And mm. so it's interesting to see here, but not when we're making a joke about you. Mm.
1: Perfectly said. Perfectly said. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that so we got that moment, and but what's almost funny is like as a way to not spend too much time on that kind of shot. Immediately after is when Corey, oh sorry, pushes, when Stuart yeah. flies through the window mm. and a few things are happening. One, Corey is unapologetic about it. Corey is like, I yeah. did what needed to be done. It is what it is. And what's even more interesting is how everyone shows up. I, like Alan and Amy yeah. come to the college and they're, yeah. what's interesting to me is they both come up and they're like, whatever you've done, We're behind you. And I was like, that's very interesting that your son is in trouble at college and you immediately – I'm not saying that you shouldn't believe your son. I'm just saying it's very telling, as we know, again, looking at 2022 in college culture and the number of white guys who in college who have done things how their parents show up to the school and they're immediately like, whatever it is, whatever you've done, I'm behind you. No question.
2: We'll take care of it. Yeah. We'll make yeah. it go away. Um, one thing I want to point out about that scene specifically where everyone comes to comfort Corey in the room afterwards is that like Sean says, you know what, Corey, typically when you spiral, it's funny, but this time you cross the line. And I just want to point that out because we've been talking about how like Almost manic, Corey's been this season, and it's like Sean's like, "No, I see, like I see you acting different." And honestly, most of the time, it's funny, but now you hit this teacher that I like. So what's up? So it it was almost like to hit Stewart, this teacher that Sean respected, was the line that was crossed. Hmm. Um, compared to all the other weird things that Corey's been doing this season. Um, so yeah, I just thought I, that was interesting.
3: Also, he said, "How could you do this to Stewart?"
0: Yeah,
2: to oh, Stewart.
3: How could you do this to Stuart and again, like as we were talking about earlier, you know, like, uh, poor Sean because he's, you know, he's put his trust in this person and and he can't imagine that Stuart would do anything to deserve to be pushed or to be hit, you know, and it just shows how people in power can manipulate things and manipulate your trust in order to distort the optics, right. It, it's think, too
2: bad Sean doesn't have Eric's fifth sense, otherwise he would have been able to see right through it.
1: <laughs> One of the things that's interesting to me about the dorm room scene is it's it's so telling by everyone's reaction because we talked about Amy and Alan, and we talked about even Eric again being like, I saw that, like, I'm willing to lie. I saw the whole thing. Corey didn't do anything, you know, like, and even though Corey just Confessed like five seconds earlier and gave reason for it. But what's interesting to me is that Corey goes, This is all going to go away. Yeah. And I, again, it's very much telling that Corey's like, No, no, no. I did the right thing. It'll all work itself out. Yeah. And it's just like that, this naivety about the whole situation. Yeah. Where they're like, No, you can get expelled. This is a really big deal. Yeah, Feeney can't even fuck his way
2: out of this problem for you. He's (laughs) trying to clap the cheeks of the Dean. He's trying to make it happen, and it's not working. So, like, you're on your own here.
3: But I, I think also goes to show, which they talk about, you know, towards the end of the episode, you know, they have really lived largely, perhaps not Sean, but, you know, in a protected bubble. Yeah. So... And they haven't experienced life in a lot of ways, you know.
2: Yeah, they—they like their, their naivety really shines throughout the entire episode. Like for every character, Topanga, Sean, Corey, like all of them are are like naive at dis- different aspects of the episode and have points of realization of yeah. just like, oh no, I was being too naive about this. Um, I I, I kind of want to talk about the honeypot scene. It,
1: is that well so we're gonna get okay. there because what i wanted to say is there's this there's uh i i honestly you know what I, I can't remember if this is before or after so everyone help me out but there's the scene where topanga confronts stewart mm. yeah it's, he's, it's he's, yeah so
2: rachel does her thing first and then topanga kind of okay 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 afterwards. so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. so yeah. we can
1: do the honeypot scene first yeah go, go yeah first.
2: i just thought it was interesting that like so we have this scene where Eric, Jack, and Rachel – by the way, Eric is like, I'm an older brother. I'm going to take care of Corey, which is kind of nice. We haven't really seen him have a lot of interactions with Corey. Um, mm. But So the way he decides to solve this problem is like, hey, this guy is a dangerous, predatory dude on college students. Um, Rachel, I'm going to throw you to the wolves.
1: I, 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 <laughs> I want to back up here a little bit. Because oh, because he offers it to Jack. <laughs> I, I want to say, uh, we got to back up. Because you know, you know how I'm at <laughs> with my Baywatch. And this is this is a situation where, um, in reality, Eric shows, to me, shows his true colors in the sense of him being like, I, um, I think that either one of you could do this. So Jack, you go over there and seduce him. And I was like, oh, it's interesting to me because what he's actually saying is I don't see any difference between jack being sexy and rachel. Mm. like yeah. I interesting feel i feel like he didn't he, he doesn't he literally doesn't make a big deal out of it
0: i
2: love that wow yeah. wow um i was just saying that like yeah he does he does try to throw eric or rachel over there but i just think it's that. interesting that yeah, Jack. Jack. Um, Jack and Rachel, he's like, either one of you could go over there and do this, but I don't have a problem with mm. either of you two getting involved with this predator. So I just thought that that was really interesting. That even though he wants to fix the situation, the way he's going about it is to really throw Rachel to the wolves in in a very literal way.
3: Yeah. I, I mean, for me, the first thing that I noticed, um, again, was how you know, Rachel is getting sexualized in a demeaning way, which yeah. like happens a few times in this episode, you know? And I don't know, like to try to seduce a confession out of uh, Stuart, it just, uh, I don't know. I know it's, it feels gross, right? And I think, again, it's the, these little moments within this episode, like from how Rachel is treated to, you know, Angela's soap opera name, you know, I think it just, again, highlights how... In a certain time, some things were considered acceptable. yeah when-
1: yeah, ok. Not only does he throw Rachel to the wolves, but he also insults her. Like there's this moment where he goes, "Well, I'm more woman than that." Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's like this idea of like, like we we know and see that Rachel is kind of dealing with a breakup and and later on it kind of like when Stuart rejects her she you know she takes that personally so there there is like an insecurity going on happening with Rachel in general which is kind of does kind of make sense but the show just kind of again plays it for laughs which you know it's a it's a comedy or whatever but it's like at whose expense and i think that that's kind of like the thing that i'm really responding to is just the idea that rachel is once again sexualized once again demeaned and then told that even even as a woman eric could be more woman than she Mm -hmm. is
2: Yeah, like to your point, it's like the show is not necessarily saying like, hey, we need to respect women. It's almost saying like we need to respect Panga, the the pure, you Mm. know, one of the group, like that whole thing. Like, it's like her innocence, her purity is the thing that made her desirable to Stewart. And, you know, Rachel isn't his type for whatever reason because he, you know who knows maybe it is that purity thing that you know the show keeps pushing as like the main thing girls should be because um, i feel like we, we're, we're getting a lot of like purity subplots and things like that in the background
3: immediately this makes me there's so there are so many sitcoms in the 90s or shows in the 90s where you have the like virgin and the whore Right. Yeah. Immediately I think about Dawson's Creek.
2: Dawson's Creek. Jelly yeah.
3: And Jen. Right. Jelly and Jen. And I mean, you see these two different women, and you know, and we are the show is telling you to condemn the one who, you know, has sex and who does non pure things. And yeah. we're, you know, the virginal innocent one. You know, and yeah. I mean this is something like throughout Culture is yeah is a uh, I can't think of the the word right now but it's that it's a theme right
1: the yeah. Madonna horror complex a trope,
3: trope yeah
1: yeah it's a trope yeah definitely I I was gonna say to me it's it's very interesting because it also kind of shows how people misinterpret things like this like Eric being like oh you go over there and seduce him it's like it takes away and it's like oh that's just like he just is a predator to all women. He, or all, anyone who would be sexual to him, it's this uncontrollable urge and not this really strategic plan. Like that, like Eric responds to it as in, oh, if he gets any other kind of temptation, he's going to take the bait. And it's like, no, that's not what's going on here. This was very specifically a targeted individual. Mm. And again, I think they inadvertently show that it's not, oh, this guy is a danger to any and everyone. It's more so this guy is very intelligent about what he's doing. And it's not him reacting. It's him planning ahead well i mean the
2: show has been telling us the whole episode like hey you're not in high school anymore so eric trying to use these hijinks to solve this problem isn't going to work against someone who's an actual villain like it's just it's not the same like this isn't harley this isn't just one of those things that you feel like you can just comedically work your way out of it's going to take something a little bit more intense it's which leads us to topanga talking to stewart um which i loved by the way i love that we saw her just be like hey I'm going to try to, I'm going to, I have enough strength in myself to come to you and say you crossed the line and just to ask you to just stop all of this. And I just thought it was really interesting that his response was to gaslight her and to Mm -hmm. say, well, no, you came on to me. I'll see you at the hearing.
3: Oh my God. Again, power dynamics, you know, to, to Stuart, who's the D who's university going to believe this beloved charismatic teacher that everybody you know thinks is so great or this young girl you know and yeah. he's trying to work that to his advantage and it's oh and again that was another moment I remember even when I first watched it feeling infuriated that yeah this is happening and you again like all credit to Danielle like sure her face and how she it, you know, reacts to hearing him twist that and gaslight yeah. her is just it's very powerful.
1: It's also very interesting because I think, again, for for a kid's show, it really clearly illustrates the, uh, the he said, she said. It's like, mm. of, it's a perfect example of like, again, as the audience, you're like, that's not what, like, a kid could be like, wait a minute, that's not what happened. He's lying. And it's just like, yeah, but does does that matter? Can that be proven in a, not a court of law, because that's not what they end up doing, but like, can that just be proven in an argument? And I I think that this is really interesting, but also we talked about the power dynamics and I'm going to bring it up now because I'm not going to bring it up in my homework, but we've been watching the show Dahmer and that entire show is about, it's about the institutions and how they've failed the people, the victims, and very much Dahmer being aware of, as you said, TC. Who are they going to believe, even yeah. when things are very, very obvious? Even let's let's say, even if you don't think Stewart did it, what is statistically most likely to have happened in that situation? Yeah, and people still weigh things like, we'll have to see. I don't know, yeah. he still gets the benefit of the doubt, even though statistically, we know that that probably happened. Even if yeah. she's wrong, they should err on the side of caution, but he understands that that's not what's happening in this moment. Sure, that In this moment, yeah. he's getting the benefit. And I oh, thought so. that that was very interesting.
3: I have to say, this reminds me of, I, I don't want to like get into this one, but Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, like an mm. out in the media you know, the world doesn't want to, doesn't want to believe that this movie star that they have grown up loving could be capable of such horrible things, right? Definitely.
2: Definitely. Um, I I, One question I wanted to ask you guys, I I didn't know when, what was the best time to ask, was that, did you guys ever have a steward? Did you guys ever have a teacher that was Either inappropriate to you or inappropriate to other students that you were aware of. Someone who blurred the lines between professionalism and non-professionalism. I guess I just wanted to know if if you guys have experiences with that because I had a steward. Really? You? Had I a knew steward. of a steward. I knew of a steward at our high
1: school. <laughs> oh, high school! So it's so. Fun. Oh, oh. <laughs> we're not gonna go there. I don't know if we're talking about the same person because I, that. This is something we'll have to talk about offline. But I will say that I was thinking high school and I'm aware of a situation in high school that I was, and again, I think it's interesting that you say this because the number of things that I've learned as I've grown up, or like I've just seen people talk about a recount about when they were kids as if it was just casual, but it's like common knowledge is so upsetting to me. Because as you said, there are things to were. When I think about, I was like, oh, no, no, no. I didn't have that in high school, uh, in college. I had that in high school. But my mind was like, you know, no, 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 Not that it's a problem that it was when we were younger. I was just like, oh, no. It, it, it just happened count- earlier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, happened yeah. when we were younger
2: and uh, not of age.
1: <laughs> exactly, but it's something where it's like, if you and I are talking about the same person, it was common knowledge. Well, and yeah. I think that's so pretty interesting. The um,
2: thing I want to say about that is that, so our Stuart was, a, the reason why I'm going to say this, I'm just going to call the teacher Stuart. Um, the Stuart that I'm referring to was in high school, was a female teacher, and she was the coolest teacher I ever had she was so cool she treated us with respect she joked with us she would curse sometimes which was like a thing teachers weren't supposed to do and like we would hang out in her room after after school and just like we even like helped paint her house we went to her house a few times like all this stuff and then like she started talking to us about things that were like Weird. Like, why do I know how this teacher lost her virginity? Why do I know what this teacher's sex life is like? Why do I know what that this teacher is actively cheating on her husband and talking to me about the stories of it? Things that, like, I was just like, oh, this is just a friend who's going through some stuff and talking to me about it. No different than my high school friends talking to me about stuff. Me not thinking that there was anything weird about it. To the point when when she came to me and she's like, hey, I'm considering sleeping with a student. But she actually said to me, I was like, I don't think you should. With all (laughs) my stuff i was so casual with it i was just like oh because she told me the name of the student she was thinking about doing it with and i was like oh he's an asshole like i was just yeah. like i was so like
1: you could do better yeah
2: i was in such disbelief of the student she was considering and allegedly did hook up with that i wasn't even paying attention like i I don't know. I was like season one, Dawson's Creek, where I was just like, Casey and this teacher are like doing this thing. And I'm just like, oh, it's weird, but like whatever high school. And I just didn't understand the gravity of it. So when I'm watching this episode and I'm seeing how Stuart is like blurring the lines and becoming friends and all this stuff, it's it's hard to not think about this instance that um, I experienced. Then. Anyways, I just wanted to throw that in there just because I wanted wow. to see if that was.
1: Yeah.
3: Wow. Wow i i personally have not had a steward but i have seen um in high school throughout a few yeah um women and men yeah Mm -hmm. and and male teachers um yeah i and also funnily um not funnily it's not funny um but interestingly yesterday i was i was hanging out with my with a girlfriend um and we were we went to i I changed high schools a couple times and and we knew each other and but my first one grade eight grade nine and i remember we were we were talking about um about teachers who i don't know how it came up but teachers who had had crossed the line and she reminded me and i remember her telling me this when this when it happened there was a teacher who had i think he showed pornography to the class wow and um obviously he got uh he got kicked out um but yeah but we were she reminded me of that but yes I remember that happened but there was a few um there was I remember a female teacher that I had and she would openly flirt with all the boys in the class and they all they all loved it and they were like oh she's so hot and and totally played into it like in the classroom which is like, and I remember even being, sitting there and being like, "Yeah, seeing like, this is not okay, you know? And like because it was just so, um, the way that she was acting was really, yeah, it was like really inappropriate. And even then it was like, she was also rude to the female students. It was very weird. Yeah. It's anyway, so, it's so yeah. funny,
1: like, I think what's interesting, I think it's A, it's kind of sad that all of our examples are like, not in college, in high school, yeah. yeah <laughs> like, didn't happen
3: in college. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I think that's really upset. That's even yeah. more upsetting. But also, see you brought up something which I think is really important about both this episode and just in a larger context, is you were like, well, I was watching Dawson's Creek and that was happening. So I was just like, oh, this is something that happened. And mm. I just let it go. Yeah. And it's one of the problems I have with TV shows that constantly show relationships between teachers and students is it does create this world where teachers sorry where students are like oh that's a thing that happens it's more scandalous that it's happening kind of like scandalous that so-and-so made out with so-and-so you know it's just like it's not the crime that it is it's just this scandalous thing that i can just go about and i and i actually um, I'm not taking it as seriously or reporting the way that I should, and yeah. I think that what's great about this episode is it shows how that is actually inappropriate. Yeah. And I want more TV shows to be like, no, 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 no. If a teacher is getting too close, you should actually consider that a very, very big red flag.
2: Definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I mean, uh, that's one of the I can. Uh, more than a handful I can think of of students uh, who are teachers throughout my grade school, middle school, high school fired or under investigation for inappropriate behavior. So and like the fact that this show is actually confronting that and introducing kids to the concept of it, I think, is, is something that we can say, like, hey, it happens. It's real life. So I'm glad that they're showing kids. But I mean, this whole idea of it not being high school anymore doesn't have to be after high school that this stuff happens. So.
3: And this Absolutely. is the thing, and I think because this is, you know, by all definitions, it's a kids show, right? And so we're watching it. We're we're like twelve, you know. We're yeah. not nineteen or twenty, and you know, yeah, it's I think very important that and and incredible that they showed this on a kids show and not what? glamorizing it like a, like Dawson's Creek or or another show. What? I think
2: Dawson's Creek where it was able to glamorize it because it was a woman who was doing it instead of a man, mm-hmm. which is always treated differently. When a that's when a cool. female teacher crosses the line, it's always seen as like, oh, man, that student's such the man. Like, I can't believe yeah. you hooked up with a teacher. Like, almost getting praised for getting sexually abused in a way that's confusing for the student, I'm sure but when a male teacher does it it's treated completely differently it's treated like oh we got this pervert off campus right away and so like it's just interesting that like even in our television i mean Dawson's Creek was what the same year 97 98 mm-hmm. um that we're seeing just like two different portrayals of student teacher relationships and the way that it's being treated
3: I have to say i just thought of this did you did you guys ever watch third rock from the sun
1: yeah, oh i was yes. literally thinking about it right now you're yeah, right yeah
3: from- I- I love that show. It is total side note. It is <laughs> brilliant. It is so smart. It's so funny. Watch it. It's amazing. Viewers watch it.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: but there is, um, I, I it's like early on, Tommy's really young. He, I think it's like one of the, it's either the first or maybe the second season, maybe the third season. It's like quite early on. He's like, he's still like quite, he's a kid, right? Um, and he is in love with his music teacher. I think she is. And, and, um she, she in in their reality, she doesn't cross that line as far as I can remember, if I remember correctly. She like maintains that boundary. But he has all of these like fantasies about her, and he mm-hmm. like, like dumps his girlfriends to like be with his like in his mind, like be with his teacher. And he has this, which was also on a side note. Um, I can't remember. I don't maybe it was season two like their season finale which was in 3D and it like won an Emmy and it was like (laughs) really amazing I remember buying like 3D glasses to watch it when I was like 11 (laughs) but um, his whole that that season finale like they had each of the characters have like a, a nightmare or like a dream and they did the whole thing in 3D and Tommy's was about him like running to this deserted island and his teacher um like fanning him and like feeding him grapes wow. or whatever and you know and this is the thing it's like if you're like a kid watching this and it's like glamorizing this relationship this dynamic between student and teacher like it's telling you like this is okay this is like a fantasy you want yeah. it and like it's fine Dump your girlfriend to be with your music teacher you know what i mean it's just it really kind of yes yeah, the, the culture of that time right it like it kind of
2: well, I also just oh, want to say God. about the 90s is that I grew up in a decade watching a movie where a kid got a blank check and got a date with a grown woman. Um, yeah. Yeah. So like, there was just so much yeah. weirdness going on between like older women and kids yeah. in the 90s. Like, oh, it's just like it's normal to fantasize about older women. There's no distinction.
3: Yeah. Oh, my God. Big?
1: Yeah. Big is another one where we're like, Big, or, what <laughs> the fuck is that movie? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> <laughs> looking at the time, I think we should get to the the hearing. hearing, Um, Going to the hearing, I think a few few things are going on. One, uh, even though, again, as much as I enjoy it so much, um, Eric comes in and he's kind of being playful and all this other stuff. And Feeney, but like Feeney's like shutting it down. He's like, yo, this is not the time. Like any other time we could do this. But Eric, this is very, very serious. And I think that what's interesting is Feeney's energy this entire time is like you guys don't understand how real world we're getting right now. This is real world things. To me that this show does something really annoying which is constantly insert Corey into a narrative that honestly didn't need to be about Corey. And this is a way of like we're having this Corey about Corey this um scene about Corey who may be suspended over his actions when we should just be talking about what happened with Topanga yeah. but we're not we're talking about Corey's reaction to Topanga so much so that there's it's so funny to me because I noted it uh, while I was watching it with my partner there's a scene where Corey goes on this long speech Stuart goes on this long speech Feeney goes on this long speech Topanga's like you know what you did and the Dean's like ah ah we respect each other here. Yeah, <laughs> and then Sean gets a monologue, and I'm like, "What? We're not. We're literally not letting the woman, the girl, who this happened to, yeah. get no voice mm-hmm. in this
2: entire yeah. scene." Um, one thing uh, totally true about that, and and what's even um really revealing to me in this courtroom scene or this hearing is that we we begin to see how strategic. Stewart has been about everything because it's in there that he's just like Johnson. I'm the best teacher I've ever had. I asked Angela to stay in the room. You made her go away. I was. What are you talking about? We were just talking about this paper. Like every excuse that he has for his behavior is laid out in such a way that you're like, oh, this motherfucker knew what he was doing the entire time.
3: It really highlights the difference between Mr. Feeney and Stewart. The mm-hmm. difference teachers you know and like right away mr feeney's like like he's appalled what were you yeah. doing in your room Stuart? and he's like you know what did he say I think like it, was- it wasn't
2: a bedroom when i was in there a yeah, dorm like, can be anything it's a study it's a it's a yeah. hangout like it wasn't a bedroom when i was in there
3: yeah oh my you god and it's, and it's interesting because you know stewart says my students and i have a relationship outside the classroom which allows us to connect better inside the classroom. And of course, you know, you may think Feeney has one as well, but that is based on, as we said before, him being their teacher. He, he honors that boundary. He doesn't blur those lines. And then even Sean goes on to say that, like he's been our, he's been our teacher through, through grade school, through high school. He wants to protect us. So like right away, like that distinction, right. Um, Stuart treats us as, as equals. Feeney wants to protect us. It's just yeah. I think
1: I think it's interesting because I don't want to neglect the fact that, the Sean again. This is a television show, and for everyone who always like you guys are reading a television show. Yeah, I know I get that, but it's really important to point out that Sean. They're like Sean's okay with it, and it's like, what in what world does that matter? Like, why Sean's like,
2: Sean's like, hey, can I stop the hearing to say something, Corey? okay you beat his ass hey sean's okay with it so we're good right i can go yeah exactly
1: but like what i'm saying is sean's experience is elevated sean's experience is elevated over topanga's yeah this happened to throughout like like stewart is like hey sean do you think i'm a good teacher sean's like Yeah. yeah i did and he goes sean also gets a moment to be like hey i'm okay with corey's reaction and they're like that's good, and it's just like okay, but what is the? How is that relevant at all to yeah. anything that's going on in this particular situation?
3: Although I have to say, I thought that was a really poignant moment when he said, "I'm okay with it," because I think it shows for him also like that illusion is now shattered. The illusion yeah. of who he imagined Stuart to be—you know, this person who made him believe in something—which is, you know. For his character, of course, like I, hundred percent agree. Topanga should have been front and center here. That being said, but, I think yeah. it's also significant that you know Sean is always is always chasing after, wanting to believe in something, you know, and and this mm-hmm. guy can feel that. And I and I, and I think you can see that also in his face, like that illusion is. is I like how I, sorry I just went like this. <laughs> <laughs> the just, the illusion is Jazz fingers.
0: <laughs> the <laughs> <illusion is shatter. laughs>
3: but you know and i and i think that's a big deal and i think i think i think that is a that is a moment you know that's a great point it
2: it reminds me a lot of when he confronts uh the cult leader um in the hospital and he's just like hey i i i'm done i'm done believing in you and so it it just i think that's what you're kind of referring to is that like this kind of moment where sean realizes hey I've been sticking up for this guy all episode and now I'm done. So I, yeah, it's 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 one of those things where it's like, I'm glad we understood that moment from Sean, but did it have to come in the hearing and did it have to come in place of
1: Topanga's testimony? I don't think so. Absolutely think that Sean, like, I'm glad that we got that moment for Sean, but for me, I'm always like, what's the trade-off? And it, like, I would rather have traded off that moment of Sean getting that to have Topanga have a little bit more voice in what happened Especially since it'd be one thing if Topanga didn't want to talk, but the fact that Topanga wants to and is shut down by another woman,
0: Mm -hmm. like even, is
1: really, really important. Yo, can I just say something? And maybe this is just me and you guys let
2: me know what you think, but at this point presently the dean and feeny are (laughs) getting it all right like he's a little too familiar with his boss that he just started hanging out with talking come on dean there's gotta be something more you can do come on it's just like oh so you're talking to her like you've been over her house before you've been you're talking to her like you guys have a relationship outside the classroom as well feeny like it just felt like he was using his relationship with the dean to try to help Corey in a way where I was like, "Oh, do you even have a relationship with the dean at this point?" So it just made me think that maybe something's going on when class is dismissed.
3: Also, side note: that's his wife in real life.
1: Oh, percent yes, for yeah. 100%. sure. I know you guys. I th- know that. Yeah, 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 no, but like, <laughs> I, I, I think that's really important because that kind of kind of picks up on the chemistry between them. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I think to TC's point, it's also inappropriate. You know, it's like yeah. this is like Feeny, Feedy. Feedy you are taking this a little too personally. You're mm-hmm. a little too involved. Um, but I think, A, of course, as the audience, we want this reaction from Phoenix.
0: Mm-hmm. But yeah.
1: the dean is right to be like, George, you need to be, you need to take a step back. And you yeah. need to understand that this is not your, like, this isn't, they a classroom. This isn't everyone gets a vote. And like, we get to, like, no, this is like a adult institution And we will be handling this as such. This is very serious. And I just think that that's really interesting. One more thing I wanted to talk about, just in terms of the hearing and what's going on, is this idea of Stuart asking questions to Topanga directly are more than yes or no questions and Mm -hmm. what i was like to me is like in these situations they all know that the truth is so much more than just a yes or a no but in these type of situations whether it's a courtroom or any other kind of like justice hearing it's just like did this happen yes or no yes but uh -uh, thank you And he's just constantly anytime she answers he's like did it Mm yeah you you did have an opportunity thank you that is all that's all i needed
3: that like is that that infuriate when he just like cuts her off like that that infuriates me so much because again her voice her voice is is silenced right and and also it just shows like how like as tcu said earlier how calculated his whole thing was like did i do this yes but no no just the yes That's enough.
2: Just the yes. Yeah, and it also goes to show that, like, hey, women, when you go into a courtroom or a court setting, you're going to be asked questions. And the lawyer can very well be like, no, that's it. That's all I want. Like, you don't get to elaborate on the details. So just kind of further – Yeah, exploring that gray area. Um, I want to give credit to the dean. I want to give credit to this character that we've only seen a handful of times that I feel like I've grown uh, a love for in a very short amount of time. And the way that she's able to be like, I have to, in the same way that George has ethics to how professional he needs to be, I have those same ethics. I need to be professional. I need to punish Corey for hitting a teacher point blank. Like there's, I can't let this go unpunished but I'm also going to take into context the larger issue here. Stuart, this is a teacher. I don't know what the fuck you are, bro, but I'm gonna find out. I was just like, yo, Dean, I'm I love you. I'm I'm here for you.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that that's what's interesting about her ruling is A, Corey's very fortunate to have someone who would consider all mm. everything. And for me, what I saw at I don't think that it's a mistake that her being uh, a woman in a position of power also makes a difference because the fact that she's there, she absolutely was like, you know what, based on everything I've heard, I don't know enough. I, all I do know is that he did hit someone and therefore there has to be punishment. But also, based the punishment should fit the crime. And based on what I've heard, this seems sufficient enough. But yeah. at the exact same time, as you said, I'm also going to be opening an investigation into you, Stuart, because based on everything that I've heard and everything that I know as a professional woman in this field, this something else happened that we're not able to really pin down and we're going to find that out. And I just think that yeah. that's really important. The idea of her being like, you know what, it's more than just what can be argued. And based on my understanding and my life experience, something else happened and we're going to figure out what it was. Totally.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think it was her, I think especially when, you know, we're talking about power dynamics and people in authority and you see the different levels, right? You have the comparison between Feeney and Stuart and then, you know, the comparison between the Dean and Stuart.
2: Yeah. Or even the difference between Topanga and the Dean in terms of how Stewart shows respect to someone who's in authority and someone who's not in authority. He's always like, like I said, since the beginning of the episode, when he sees the Dean, he's very, very respectful, but he doesn't apply that same respect to women who he feel he can take advantage of. So um, one last thing I just want to say about the hearing and you guys can uh, give me your last thoughts on it too. I love that at the end of everything, the kids were like, y'all just want to go get some ice cream. Like y'all just want to like, like this was too much adult for, for us. Right. Like yeah. this was, we dove into the pool of adult. We kept saying we wanted to be adults and now we're here and we want to be kids again. We want to go get some ice cream. We want to go to chubbies. We want to like regress back to a time where like, we didn't have to feel so unsafe and just like being a millennial. I can relate to that.
0: Yeah, (laughs) we're doing a
2: 90s podcast partly because (laughs) (laughs) it's so enjoyable sometimes to just revert back to a simpler time where things were easily understood than going out into the world that you don't understand so i just thought that the kids getting ice cream was so much more than just hey let's go get ice cream
3: i totally agree and i I think that that whole that whole last little bit where you know Feeny's like you're not kids anymore you're not children anymore he says you know and it spells it out and he says this is life and these things happen and all of them you know they again i think the acting just the emotional reactions on their faces like once mm-hmm. they here is really powerful and you can see they realize okay we're not kids anymore we are becoming adults we're in the real world dealing with real things dealing with life but yet still, they're still like they are still kids in lots mm-hmm. ways, too. Let's go get some ice cream and like try to hold on to that a little bit.
1: Yeah. Try to hold on to that a little bit, I think is really that's that's kind of like the essence of that last scene of just being yeah. like, hey, it's only getting realer from here on out just take those small and I think if anything I saw that scene and I was like I think more adults can be should be like you know there's a a meme that went around or whatever it's like um I remember today that I'm an adult and I can buy an entire cake if I want to and it's just like yeah sometimes you do need to remind yourself as an adult that you still have access to those childlike things because they're so important in a world that's constantly asking you to like face these really harsh realities. Go get some ice cream. <laughs> Yeah. totally and it's like after the
2: pandemic it's like my soul needs ice cream you know what I mean? <laughs> sometimes you go through some right. hard shit and you just like I need a source of comfort like I need something to be a home base at a time where everything feels like it could disappear or is uncertain um which yeah to have
3: those things yeah people. I think I think it's important to have that you have to have some comfort in your life you have to have things that you know bring you that sense if you had something in a time where you felt life was simple and you know things weren't so hard and it was you know innocent innocent in a sense yeah you know? and, and, reminding and
2: it, yourself of the good yeah. things of life when you're experiencing something that's so horrific um
1: right. yeah yeah something- i think it's it's funny because you were like as millennials we are kind of like, like we just spent the first half of this episode talking about fred savage and it's so many things of just like oh man the dude from wonder years you know it's like so i feel like every day in a millennial lifestyle is like learning that like the flintstone vitamins that you used to eat actually had uh i don't know (laughs) lead in them you know it's like you're (laughs) like every day you find out and you're like really That's one more thing that I, just gotta, I can't enjoy freely. And I think that uh, it reminds me of their, uh, another meme. I don't know if you guys realize this. I, I live by memes. But there was another <laughs> meme where someone was like, you, like, the world has always been hard. It's not that things were easier when you were younger. You just weren't aware. Yeah. And yeah. I think that that's pretty much how I feel this episode is. It's just like, oh, by the way, th- the world that this is happening in has always been around. The world of Dan Schneider's and Fred Savages and all of these things. It's always been here. You just your awareness of them weren't, wasn't there and sometimes again, just going back to it, there are going to be times where it's like being an adult is actually facing that hardship but that doesn't mean that you can't just like go get some ice cream and 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 block it all out for a little bit because it's hard
3: yeah you know yeah that's exactly exactly what they're experiencing in this episode you know they're realizing like oh shit like this is this is something that happens in the real world and you know we're just starting to learn that
0: um
2: i I, can i just quickly throw something in as just a, a final uh thing that just this makes me think of um have you guys heard of matilda the musical Yeah.
0: Oh.
1: Yeah, okay, I've so, heard of it. I haven't okay. seen it. I've heard of it.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it's been on Broadway. They're making a Netflix movie of it for for Christmas. But um, there's a, a great song, um, that they sing called "When I Grow Up," and um, the lyrics are "When I grow up, I'll be brave enough to fight the creatures that you have to fight beneath the bed each night to be a grown up." And wow. this episode just really reminded me of that a lot of just like you have to be brave enough to just like fight the monsters under the bed sometimes. Like that's part of life. And um, yeah, I just thought that was a, a great cap for this.
1: Wow. Absolutely. Okay. Um, what was in uh, Yasmin? We'll give you the floor. What was your bra moment? What was the one that you're going to pick out? <laughs>
3: okay. I think to, uh, I mean, for me the one thing that like really watching it today yeah. in like today's context I think those little subplots you know what i mean i think like in two ways eric the way that rachel is treated eric trying to convince rachel to seduce a confession out of stewart and like how she's like sexualized and demeaned and a lot in this episode and then also you know angela's stereotypical soap opera name yeah. you know and i mean again this is this is a 90s sitcom you know it is also a document of its time um there are these things that were not considered offensive or wrong back then mm-hmm. even though they were you know yeah um, so no. yeah seeing those moments now um you know it's like oof, yeah
2: Siege, do you have a bright moment
1: i was gonna say so the angela name thing is To me, it's like again, it's just such a jarring one because it came out of left field. Mm. But I also I really want to give credit to the idea of Topanga not having a voice in that courtroom. Mm. We we let Eric, we let Eric speak. We let Sean speak. Two people who have like no, like Corey having his Eric didn't
2: speak. Jonathan (laughs) Cumberland, attorney at law, spoke.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The the idea that he gets time to do his bit and sean gets time to like discuss how much he enjoyed having stewart as a teacher but like topanga doesn't get a voice in this moment that is just one of those things where it's like it really was something that stuck with me angela doesn't even get to speak and angela was the one who was actually the other witness you know
2: yeah definitely totally um, yeah, Both. Uh, I think both you guys uh, picked the bra moments that I was thinking of. My main bruh moment is going to be the thing that I asked at the beginning of the uh, this episode, which is that the fact that Fred Savage took this role at all is so bruh, weird, yeah, bruh. Yeah. <laughs> like this dude who's getting accused of all this stuff years ago played a role where he did all the things mm. that he's getting accused of. Like bruh, that's, that's, that's the most like... M- like twenty twenty two thing uh, I'm taking from this episode is that Fred Savage is playing a character that he later maybe turns into. It's weird. It's weird. So,
1: absolutely. Uh, Feni, tell me, what is the lesson of this episode?
3: I'll say, I think to plain and simple, being aware that there are people in authority who abuse their power and will yeah. take advantage of that.
1: Absolutely. That's a really good. One. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead. Oh no, go ahead, go, ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say, like, again, to me, it's like, uh, you're not kids anymore. Yeah. Like, like once you, once you do leave that safety of being a child, you can't be protected. I think the dean even says to Feeny, you can't protect them anymore. They're not kids, and it's just like, yeah. But if you want to be treated like an adult, I think it's really important for you to understand what adults have to deal with. If there's one thing millennials have learned, it is that when we were like, "I want to be grown," I can't wait to grow up. We were like, "If if there was a wish," <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh man, um, no, totally, yeah, I I think that's the the lesson too. Let's just let like you know you're you're the transition between a childhood and adulthood is probably filled with a lot more unexpected things than you think and so by saying that you're ready for something that you don't know that you're ready for or just being thrust out into the world from high school to 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 life there's going to be things that you didn't expect that may be horrific in various ways so yeah i just think you guys tied it up really nice. <laughs>
1: all right homework oh sorry no great 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 we need to grade it great great what grade are you giving this jasmine
3: i gotta say an A. I I think this is one of the most powerful episodes of the whole series
0: Mm -hmm.
2: um
3: and again i think the fact that boy meets world tackled this topic as a kids show really is very significant um and it was done really well
2: I have to agree with Yasmin. I'm going to give it an A as well. Um, the fact that they chose to tell a story that they didn't have to tell at a time where it wasn't really being talked about. Um, the fact that we had Topanga, um, like this almost like, I think all of us kind of, regardless of our perception of her as we're actually watching episode to episode, um, the larger zeitgeist thinks of Topanga as this really strong, independent woman. And so to even show that she could even be vulnerable to this, I think is, is 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 an interesting thing as well. So I just think there's a lot of really interesting conversations that are happening here that all age incredibly. The fact that Fred Savage is in the news right now for this just shows how well this episode ages. So that's why I think it deserves an eye.
1: Absolutely. I think I... Uh, hey, one. I'm really interested to see how the cast deal with this episode. I'm I mean, so curious. They have they have a long time before they even get here. But I'm just like, oh, I wanna I wanna see their read on it. But I will say that um, there's no denying that this is an A episode in my book. I feel like there are small little bits that keep it from being an A plus. But like in general, as everything that you guys said the fact that it still is relevant sadly it still holds up they tackle it in such a great way and the acting is superb throughout um this is a all around no yeah. all right um you know what let's get to homework
2: uh Yasmin do you have any pop culture recommendations to our listeners as our hey, pop you. culture expert
3: <laughs> hey have you guys seen I, I I don't know, when I was thinking about this episode, you know, it made me begin to think about how women in sitcoms are treated. You mm-hmm. know? Have you either of you watched Kevin can fuck himself or F himself? I don't know how
1: No, I haven't, but I've wanted no. to. I've i just needed an endorsement from someone okay. and if you're giving me one, I'm okay. taking it. <laughs> I have
3: to say, I it has there's moments where like I think it could be Better. It could have like they could have taken the uh, way that they subvert um, the genres better. However, it is it's a great show because um, you know it really subverts the classic kind of sitcom humor where the jokes are made at the wife's or the woman woman in the show's expense. Um, you know, and every time that happens, it's like. You know, classic like bright lights, cheery. They're in their living room. It it looks like like the set of Home Improvement, you know, and it's like very wholesome. And they're making fun of of Annie Murphy and da da da. And then as soon as she leaves the room and she's outside of that space with with her husband, um, it's dark and it's moody and she wants to kill him because of how he's treated her you know wow he's treated by everybody in her circle in that space um so yeah
2: it's, almost like a playing on the on the format the way wandavision did of just like kind of like showing us the sitcom format and then kind of playing with our ideas of it
3: i haven't watched wandavision <gasps> oh okay i can't say hey. i should watch it um <laughs> But yeah, it definitely, like, it, it plays, it plays with, with those, uh, you know, with like the structure of that. Mm, mm. Um, and yeah, and I mean, as, as this, I, I think they could have maybe played with it a little better because like, it, like the, the framework of it is there um, and it's, it's, it's still great, but you know, it could be better, but anyways, it's still, it's worth a watch. Um, wow. Cool. is amazing, so.
1: Yeah, we'll have to check it out. Uh, okay, my homework for this week is Abbott Elementary, season two is back. Uh, if we want to talk about teachers that are doing it right, I don't know. Yeah. Have, have you guys, did you watch season one? Of Abbott okay, Elementary? so
2: I've seen a handful of episodes and none of them have been in order. Like I've just seen like a handful of season one episodes, but I haven't like binged it like I was, I, was, I'm really
1: intending to.
3: I have not watched it either (laughs) you guys have to i
1: you know what it is i think that to me it especially if you're a fan of boy meets world you clearly you know like there is some kind of value on learning and whether it's learning learning through life or learning through education there's this idea of like feeny being you know it's something that we've all kind of carried around and this show really appreciates teachers it appreciates teaching and it does so um with the same kind of heart and joyfulness as like the office or parks and recs you know it's a mockumentary type style um but also i think it's really great to see representation there's no separating the fact that this show is also about a black school and one Mm -hmm. where the teachers are not dealing with funding the way that they should be and having to really do the put in the work to make sure that their students get the best chance at um an education as possible um and it's because of its respect towards the field of teaching and it's still level of comedy and jokes um It's, it's so fun. And season two just premiered um, and it was everything that I needed it to be. And so I just want to, again, promote that. If we are talking about, we spent a lot of the first episode talking about bad teachers and those who blur the lines. I wanted to praise good teachers and just the show. Again, um, Quinta uh, Brunson and Cheryl Lee Roth just won the Emmys for this show. It's a really, really good show and one I'm really happy to endorse.
3: I've heard so many good things about it. I need to watch it.
1: Um, I'll just quickly
2: throw this out there. Um, My homework for this week, and I I specifically wanted to tie it to this episode, was the horror movie The Barbarian, which is out in theaters. I, (laughs) I don't know how into horror either of you are. I know Siege sometimes is squeamish with it. But when I say that this was not only like, I was I was genuinely scared, which I rarely get. Like, I there's a there was a moment where like I am lying down flat in my AMC chair like this, which I never do, and that's um, so what like, freaks
1: me out. If that's how you were, and you know how I am, I yeah. was like, I don't even know. I think I may just like do my uh, too scared <laughs> didn't watch podcast to get through it because I wanna. You've spoken about it. and You speak about it very excitedly. The,
2: yeah, and the reason why I want to tie it to this specific episode is because and I. don't want to give too much away about this movie but i just (laughs) i I know you're not gonna watch it anyway Uh, this movie is so smart in how it approaches um the men and like the like how scary men can be and like the like i there's an article the collider wrote where they were just saying that like hey the true villain of this horror movie is men (laughs) and like just how it's just uh, such a smart entry into like a feminist horror like canon which like feminist horror is something that i feel like is so tied intrinsically to horror with final girls and like them i feel like final girls like horror movies were the first time i saw women fight back against attackers like there was the first time i saw them stand up for themselves like in so many ways like horror is like a very strong vehicle to tell feminist stories and I feel like this one is an incredible one if you can get through the gore of it if you can get through the horror elements of it there is there is just so much that this movie talks about in terms of um, how women can protect themselves being a good crime junkie knowing the right things to do but also how you can just put your trust into the wrong men and how it can like screw you over I, I just think in terms of what this episode was about this is a great companion piece for it so
0: okay.
3: You sold me. I gotta watch it. I love I, horror. Ah, <laughs> it, it, it scares the shit out of me. Like I think, like the deeply, like psychological, psychological ones, like really get to me. That's mm-hmm. what scares me. But I still, I still subject.
1: I, I've mentioned it a few <laughs> times. It. Um, the uh, too scary didn't watch podcasts. Um, shout out to them again. They've been helping me because you're right. I love like the social commentary on so many of these things, but I just can't do gore. In that way, and so, um, I, uh, I'm like torn because, like, I do, I want, I want to know so badly, but I'm just, I can't, I don't know if I can do the gore. There's just so many (laughs) twists and
2: turns where I'm so afraid to even go into details about how this movie subverts my expectations because I just want, like, I know eventually you're gonna, you probably watch it, so I don't (laughs) want to spoil anything. But when you do, Yasmin, if you do, hit me up and we'll have a conversation
1: about it.
3: Done. (laughs) <laughs> I lo-
1: what is it you think about horror that you respond to? Me? Yeah.
3: Do you know what? I don't know. I, I feel like I've always loved um I've always loved it. Like when I was growing up, I was really into like, are you afraid of the dark and goosebumps, mm-hmm. like, and like a Ouija board? I was always into that. I don't know. Like it was something that I was always attracted to. I don't know what the, if there, if what the reason was other than it was just something I had just always found interesting. Maybe like the darkness of humanity in a way. No.
0: Sure. You know, which is why though.
3: I feel like, <laughs> which is why I don't know. I if I watch a gory horror movie, that doesn't scare me. Like I can, I'm not squeamish in that way. But it's the ones that are psychological that that get me because I think that's yeah. maybe what what interests me is like when it's um you know like it could be real like this could be some like something sinister or is happening in your brain or something you know what i mean that manifests in this creepy way i don't know i think <laughs> you,
2: <that makes> <laughs> i i want to point out something which i found very interesting as as a millennial who we have on this show you're the second guest who has talked to us about the importance of are you afraid of the dark like Can I just say just how, like, significant that show was for introducing horror to children. For our generation, I was there every Saturday night. I was freaked out every Saturday night by this little tiny Canadian horror show. Yeah. Like, it's so good. And, like, the fact that it kind of, like, turned us into fans of it and made us realize that, like, oh, you can actually just tell really interesting stories. And they're also scary. But they're still interesting stories regardless. I love it
3: also have to say in that same vein goosebumps because yeah if I, I mean I I would I think I mean I think those were both happening for me at the same time sure. goosebumps, the show of course as well but I, I I was always a big bookworm and I I still no. you can see I have over there my little like bookcase I have like 30 of them, <laughs> I just them. but I loved them and I loved I just yeah it was I think also so that paired with the show was really important in introducing that genre to a young generation you know definitely R.L. Stein is still an icon he's still writing Amazing. books you know and it's because like that just kid like I don't know kids sometimes like you like to be scared although he says um oh my god I had the enormous privilege of interviewing him which was like what oh yeah oh yeah oh my god it was like it was i still can't believe it he he was he was so wonderful and
2: casually so... throw in that i've met rl stein
3: post personal friends with him he's all my you know we
2: text no big deal <laughs> oh
3: i did, i oh, i wish i met him it was just it was over <laughs> zoom also uh-huh. so i mean like wonderful that he you know made the time to to talk to me in the midst of the pandemic, um, but no, we were talking about the the 25th anniversary of the show of, of Goosebumps the show, um, and he said, you know, it was he like he would he would write these stories, um, you know, that were fun, but he didn't make them too scary because mm. you know it, it, at the same time like it's for kids, so he he didn't get too into it like it he, he like you know he didn't like take it too far he held back he held back to you know to to honor that you know i would love to
2: see what i would love to see what not holding back looks like for rl stein like when he's really trying to scare the bejesus out of kids what what would that look like
3: i mean like remember fear street fear yeah. street fear street was, was was for i guess for teens i also was into that as well i, I mean still still young still like ya but, i but
2: never more, read the fear street books but i loved what netflix did with fear street yeah ta- did yeah. we
3: talk about that
2: mm-hmm. yeah we did. we did
1: yeah yeah absolutely well, oh my gosh
3: wonderful too i mean yeah it, it was it, it they felt like um sort of classic like yeah. two novels, but like, but but scary, and they were and they were scary. I remember reading, sure. them, like, feeling. Yeah. You know, feeling I
1: was gonna yeah. say now, like, because I was just what well, was so funny before I even knew you in, uh, interviewed him. I was gonna be like, please protect R.L. Stein. No. <laughs> no scandals i just want to hear he's a good guy i just want to enjoy that and i was like it's funny to me now as an adult that's my fear that I'm gonna lose it's, yeah another- it's not
2: so it's not a celebrity dying it's a celebrity betraying <laughs> you in such a way that like yeah. it compromises how you can enjoy their work because yeah. if anything were to ever happen where it's like 17 women are accusing tom hanks of sexual misconduct i was like Oh, so I just <laughs> lost. There's a whole other chunk. I just got a whole remove. chunk. Yeah, like come on, like it's crazy. Yeah,
3: exactly. it's so true. You know, because then you, you, it's like those sweet memories or those formative memories that you have attached to, like that work or like this person or wh- whoever they are, and it's just like, oh, and it like ruins it. You know, and- R.L. Stein was a wonderful, lovely joy. Oh, no. Yay! Yeah, yeah
2: like, that's good to know. <laughs>
3: Yeah, it was wonderful, so.
1: Okay. Yasmeen, uh, <laughs> where can people find you? Where can they find your work? What What do you want to uh, promote?
3: So you can find me on Twitter, um, which I'm not super active on um, these days. I just, I find it exhausting. So, <laughs> but I am on there. Um, I'm more active on Instagram. Um, both my handles at Yasmin Shemesh. And yeah, or you can... Search me on Google, I, I do have like a portfolio of my work which I try to regularly update. So
1: Find that R. L. Stein awesome. interview.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, also, for real. Oh uh yes it's on my it's on my portfolio i was really proud of that, <laughs>
1: that one <laughs> you guys remember you can find us at brown world at gmail.com or you can email uh that was the email <laughs> you can find us on any of the platforms at brown uh thank you so much for joining us again. thank you so much thank you Favorite. so much Fair for enough. having
3: me as a guest I, again i i love hanging with you guys and, yes it's and so much fun This is yeah, Get, getting deep into all of it, it is like it's such a such a pleasure. Thank you for thank you for inviting me and for having me here.
2: You're, we we love having you always, always invited. Right. I'm sure we'll have you back. I'm sure this will not be the last episode. <laughs> guys, I'm holding down. <laughs> awesome.
1: All right, so I think TC, I think it's time for okay. us to remind the audience to dream, try
3: i too good.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah! Later, bruh! Later, bruh!
0: When the boy meets world,